This is Thomas DePolo. This is Max. This is Kevin Ham. Hey, this is Jake Cook. Hi, this is William Roy. You're listening to The Green Box. just it's just max and i today and i've had this thought kind of this, this thought in my head kind of rumbling around and it's, it's come from three different directions so i'm going to ramble a little bit but i want to explain the three ways this thought has come to my head right so the first is uh i run a lot of games online and with the pandemic obviously we still have a pandemic and it's still horrible but i want to get i want to do more stuff in person so i've been trying to find i have a local game store like 15 minutes away so i've been trying to drum up interest in running stuff there um, and I would, I might, I might just run some Dungeons the Dragons just to run something, but I really do want to run like Delta Green in person because I really enjoy Delta Green. So I've had a hard time explaining or putting together like a good post or a good explanation that's quick about what Delta Green is. So, so let me put a pin on that for one second, right? So the second way this has come about is, um, Max, I was streaming a game yesterday and somebody asked you about Unknown Armies, and you said, hey, I just recorded an actual play, and that's like the single, like if you want to understand what Unknown Armies is, listen to that actual play, it's perfect, correct? Yeah. Well, so what I, what I said was, this is this is what the experience of, of learning Unknown Armies is like. So, so, that, so that's your, your answer to, hey, what is this game, was, hey, check out this actual play, it goes, it's really a good example of what a game is like. I mean, that's a solid answer. And then the third, to put a pin on that, the third thing is there's a Facebook group, and follow me on this one, a Facebook group called I'm Begging You to Play Another Game, where people post stuff like, oh, I just watched Altered Carbon. I really want to like have like a D&D version of Altered Carbon. Like, how, how do I mod D&D? And everyone is like, please just play Eclipse Phase if you want to play Altered Carbon, right? Or, you know, various um, things like that. I don't know that I'd recommend people play Eclipse Phase if they want to play Altered Carbon. Not because I don't see the line of inspiration, yeah. but just because Eclipse Phase is about something very different from Altered Carbon, despite having similar setting elements. It really does not recreate the same experience at all, unless you basically rebuild the game from the ground up. Yeah, fair. But you get the sentiment. If someone's like, I want to run a modern-day military uh, military game about this third cult, the, you know, the Cold War going hot, and I want I, I want to run it in D&D, &D, and it's like, but Twilight 2000 exists. So, you know, that's the joke. So, I've recently been on TikTok. I don't want, I mean, it's just a, it's a third life crisis. It is what it is. But there's a section of the, most of the role-playing game stuff on TikTok is D&D &D related, because D&D &D obviously has the market share in that industry. But there's, like, there's beggar talk, which is people replying to D&D to &D comments with like, hey, what you're talking about is a great idea, but there's this other system that will let you do that. Or have you, have you tried thinking about, you know, Blades in the Dark or, you know, whatever. But when you're in this, like, you have like a minute on a TikTok to explain what you're going after. It's really hard to summarize what, to explain something. So my overall question here is I'm trying to get down to a good point of like, if I have a group of players, or if I have a group of people interested in playing a game with me, interested in playing a game, and I want to pitch them Delta Green, and they have no... No concept of it. All they've ever played is D and D. You know, if that, how do I pitch them without having to say like, "Hey, Leo, here's a huge stack of stuff you have to get into," and you know, read these, watch these six YouTube videos, and read this blog post, and you know, all this. Like, what's a good, good, easy way? I don't know. Pretty much everyone I've ever played Delta Green with has been someone who was already pre-selected for knowing what it was and coming to me wanting to play it. Every time I've tried to introduce it to someone, um, they have not had the appropriate like background or they just haven't cared like you can say oh it's it's call of cthulhu meets x-files but either they're not familiar with call of cthulhu or they're not familiar with x-files so it doesn't work 
And like at that point, you're stuck like trying to explain what those media properties yep, exactly. are, and then like they immediately lose interest. Yeah, like, I know. I really like the explanation of it's it's X Files where you, where you work for the Smoking Man. But if you if you feel like under well, it's an X Files, then that 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 one doesn't doesn't you know fall. Especially especially since since um, that description is something that someone who has seen the show will understand. But um, if they don't know that, you're not only trying to explain X Files to them, you are trying to ex- explain the element of X Files that everyone hates. <laughs> like people like yeah, the cigarette right. smoking man, but they don't like the conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I started thinking myself. I said, "Well, how did how did I get in Delta Green?" And, I, and that, that that was another brick wall because um, I played with a, I, my friend of mine ran a bunch of D and D and went to Star Wars for me, and eventually, and eventually he was just like, "Hey, I'm going to run this thing. I think you'd like it." That that was a similar path to me. The the only um, I've I've run like I don't I don't run Delta Green in in person very often. Uh, but one the one time I I ran it not at Gen Con and it went real well was um a group that we'd played 5e with and for whatever reason the the guy who normally ran the 5e game didn't have anything prepared that day so we played some Delta Green and it was super cool. And then we played another another session of it later which was a lot better because I just picked the scenario that we played more carefully. But yeah, that that was just a case of like here's a pre-existing group that trusts you to recommend something good rather than needing to explain what it's about and pitch it to people. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's hard to come up with organically, which is honestly why I'm kind of like maybe I'll just run D&D for a few sessions at this GameStop or a game store because then I'll get a feel for the people and when when I'm like, "Hey, show up for this thing you have no idea about." They can just trust me, right? So that's but that's not a great solution for everyone. So I'm still trying I haven't I haven't latched on to the, the perfect answer. I thought about not tricking them, but kind of tricking them, just being like, "Hey, I'm running a game. It's like a it's an investigatory game. And I'll teach you the rules and just run something kind of run run one of those scenarios. It starts out as like you not Delta Green people, and you run into something something mythos related. But it feels a little like it feels like almost violating the social contract. Like I would be annoyed if if I had if if I specifically avoided the Call of Cthulhu games for some reason, and somebody like tricked me into one, uh, I would be you know rightfully fr- frustrated. So I don't want to do that. But I don't want to give away everything in the description either. And I was trying to think of a good like published out the green scenario that would work for that. You know, like you know, last things last is obviously a great intro scenario, but it assumes or you know, we like it, but it assumes you have an understanding or at least at the beginning of it, your handler is gonna give you this info dump about Yeah, I've like, always thought that it names. doesn't actually conceptually work. It works in practice, but conceptually it doesn't work as an intro because the core objective is sanitize evidence of the conspiracy. What the fuck is the conspiracy? If you don't know the answer to that question, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna get in trouble. And I and I've I rarely have had kickback when I just I give like a five yeah, minute explanation. It's not like something people are gonna be pissed about, but it's also like you have not created the most economical introduction because technically you're yeah. trying to get the players involved in the meta plot before they know what the plot is. You're saying go do an operation that is itself about cleaning up after another Delta Green operation. Like my favorite scenario that I've written is um I don't know what my favorite is, but I think one of the one of the ones that's like just objectively the best is uh, who killed the case officer? But who killed the case officer is again about it's about interacting with like other Delta Green people. It's not something I would run for for people who are completely new to this setting. Although I did run it for people who are completely new because some people at Gen Con signed up for it. But like they signed up for it wanting to yeah. play Delta Green and knowing like what the plot was going to be because I had written like you will be investigating yeah. the death of the case officer. So g- good scenarios for that that start out mundane and become unnatural are. Um, Future Perfect Part the First. Uh, actually, a lot, a lot, a lot of the OG Delta Green scenarios were written with the assumption that you would do that. So, um, 
the con- the con- not convergence but uh, puppet shows and shadow plays and poker night were both written with the assumption that you would start mundane and then go supernatural. I, I thought about Puppet Chosen, or sorry, I thought about Poker Night, but I want to, well, Future Perfect is, I've done that before, and the problem is my players really enjoyed it, and then I was like, oh, like part two, three, and four. Don't and run, goes, don't run the other parts of it, just run it, and then switch to it. Yeah, so it sucks to like, yeah, but it kind of sinks, it, it sinks to have to like set up for, you know, like cut out parts of the setup and parts of the stuff in there so that they can run it as like a but here's the self-contained thing. Here's the thing. thing and not it is self-contained already because the primary issue with it is that the hooks to the other scenarios are bad like like the thing is is <laughs> that i don't think you're going to get players who are upset when they can't go to the village and look at the mounds because there's barely a connection in so so ba- basically future perfect part two is um it's like a it's 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 entirely backstory for part one there's not anything you can actually interact with except for a monster that goes out of its way to never be in the same place as you so you can never catch it because it's literally just a shape-shifting creature that can just live in the woods forever and go wherever it wants. So there's a bunch of red herrings and stuff to investigate there. Basically, the only reason why you would run Future Perfect Part 2 is if your players specifically say, I want to go investigate like the Hunt Electrodynamics Museum in Moundtown. And then you ha- and then you have an excuse to run something that isn't necessarily that good as a scenario, but the players have said I want to learn lore and backstory and so on. The only and then and there's really nothing that connects parts one and two to part three because part three is um, is never implied to exist in the first two parts. So it's not like you're going to have players who say I want to investigate yeah, the time true. travel company because the time travel company isn't teased in the first two. It's kind of its own thing. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So uh, PX Poker is a, a good one. That might be a really because you could pitch that as you know, it's a it's a modern ish modern game. You're gonna play as Air Force soldiers, and you're gonna you know be something's gonna happen on the base, and you're gonna have to like deal with it, whatever. Like you know, that's a pretty generic pitch. It doesn't give anything away. And again, everybody starts out mundane, but you quickly run into stuff that's spooky or alien. Yeah, and I'm also gonna point out that um, PX Poker Night is not immediately Cthulhu Mythos, and would be very easy to demythos eyes because. There's one creature that is from the canonical stories, and it would be very easy to replace that. And I guess there's also the Dimensional Shambler, but, like, Dimensional Shamblers are not something that people, like, remember or care about most of the time. They're common in Delta Green because they're used by wizards as, like, a corpse disposal method. Yeah, yeah. But they're not something that people who haven't read the lore will will know or care about. They appear in Call of Cthulhu sometimes, but again, that's, like, that's inside baseball that people aren't necessarily going to be going to have mastered. Yeah. And you can all you can always just you don't have to be like it's a dimensional shamble. You just explain what it is. You know, it's this creature that looks like this and does this. Okay, whatever. Deal with it. You know, so that's an idea. What if there's? Um, and I'm I'm sure we talked about this on the show, but we're just kind of spitballing back and forth here. So so my plan here is to run it at a local game store. So I mean, you know, put up a post about it. Quick, easy explanation. It's something that somebody can digest on Facebook, and you know, the store people can kind of pitch. Figure out a time. I'm assuming I'm going to get very little people with, I'm going to get people with very little knowledge of Delta Green. What if I get like one, what if like the melon bread of Massachusetts shows up, somebody who, you know, or the me of Massachusetts shows up and is just super, understands Delta Green, really wants to play more, runs it all the time, you know, writes stuff for it. Uh, is that kind of mess? If I drop them into PX Broken, is they going to be like too metagamey? Is there a better scenario where I can have one DG agent? If, if, they are, if they are a huge, huge fan of Delta Green, they will probably have read any published module that you bring to the table. Because Delta Green is an indie RPG, and the way that indie RPGs usually work is that when someone finds the RPG, 
they assume they will be the one who has to run it, and so they go and they read every single book. True, yeah, yeah. So if you want something, if you want to future-proof yourself against people having read the scenario already, just run a, run a, a, a fan scenario. Don't run a published module. And I've, I've, I've never had a chance to really do it, I don't think, but I've thought about... Because um, normally when you have, like in Future Perfect, you have all the players as FBI persons. Uh, you have all the players as FBI persons, and then you have um, an NPC as like the FBI guy who's also part of Delta Green. So when you do the, hey, shit hit the fan, hey, this is a secret conspiracy, and I'm reading you in, that interaction is between NPC, uh, you know, GM, NPC, and player. And I wonder if you had an experienced player playing that role if that would come up like organically and then that conversation would be would be between two players um i've tried in the past running scenarios with like the players in character having mixed levels of knowledge of delta green like one guy's a friendly and one guy's an agent or whatever i really i really didn't like it um i find that it is just too much like one guy plays the game while everyone else kind of follows them around yeah i guess yeah okay i can see you have to kind of proof against that somehow i'm not sure how you would I also think that it, um, because of Delta Green's core setting assumptions, you would have to worry about PvP because Delta Green, at, the, at its core, is a game about like in both the fiction and the published scenarios, it like encourages you to kill people who don't play ball. Yeah, I think to shut them up. I think if you were gonna do that, you'd have to sit down with that player ahead of time, be like, "Hey, I'm gonna use you as this like foil. Here are some ground rules. Like, <laughs> you can't kill the other players, you know, like, <laughs> or whatever, you know. Um, so you would need a player who was gonna." Uh, play ball so to speak you know who, who who wanted to play ball in that respect which is always a possibility all right what let's 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 do another let me, let me throw another hypothetical at you you say you get a bunch of players who have are very very experienced in call of cthulhu but never played delta green i've never really played call of cthulhu maybe once but what uh what should they be what should i warn them about or what should i like what are the big not differences, but like, what should I give? What should I warn them about? Or what should I be worried about if, if I'm getting a bunch of experienced Call of Cthulhu players in Delta Green? I don't know. I've never played with experienced Call of Cthulhu players. No. In my head, my only thought is, you know, Call of Cthulhu is a lot more pulpy, so I would be. I disagree, um, because I think that Delta Green in its original incarnation was just as, if not more, so. I think New Delta Green is definitely more like sterile and serious, but there are plenty of sterile and serious new Call of Cthulhu adventures, like um, a lot of the stuff in uh, Occam's Razor. Yeah, true. I guess I'm thinking more in terms of like my not not having played a lot of Call of Duty, so I'm speaking from kind of a point of ignorance. But my base assumption is always that Delta Green is like a deadlier or serious version of Call of Duty. So I wouldn't want people who were used to Call of Duty coming in and, and acting a, acting at the like the cinematic or the you know um, pulpy scale and then getting killed for it, being like, oh, why am I dead so easily? I disagree completely. I think they call it Cthulhu actually. The average damage result in Call of Cthulhu compared to the average player HP is actually more likely to result in player deaths, just because you can have a single punch doing multiple D4s of bonus damage, and it only gets worse when you bring firearms in the mix and automatic weapons. Hmm. I think that just in terms of the amount of damage that's being thrown around, Call of Cthulhu is a much more lethal game. I wonder if my assumption should go, should go the other way, in that the players from Call of Cthulhu are going to be much more reserved and less... Oh, I doubt that. I think one of the, one of the things that I've found is that... Um, whether people use violence to resolve a confrontation has very little to do with how much the system punishes violence and everything to do with what other alternatives are mechanically well supported. So people are players are not generally intimidated by like lethal gunfights. If they want to have a gunfight and the gunfights are lethal, that doesn't make them not want to have a gunfight. It makes them more invested in winning. 
So yeah, they're gonna go they're not gonna say let's not fight. They're gonna say let's set up a V a V shaped ambush. Let's place a claymore and throw a grenade and use cover to minimize incoming damage and all that stuff. Yeah, I think that you are not um, off base to worry that people are gonna have different assumptions about what's appropriate. Uh, the main thing for me is that. A lot of Call of Cthulhu investigations are based on the player characters having some personal connection to the mystery. Like, they are based on the fiction that you are friends with this NPC, or this is a relative of yours that does this interaction. Yeah. Whereas Delta Green is, is you have been told to do this by an organization that you are part of for some reason. Yeah, that or you blindly stumble upon something, yeah. And you're right, if, it's, if you're investigating, you know, Mima's spooky house you're gonna have a lot more reason to stay there if you've just been told to investigate it i i don't know i don't know because the thing about call of cthulhu is that one of the um one of the issues that delta green was originally intended to solve is why do the players continue investigating if they are ostensibly normal people because the 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 actual explanation is because you are a character in an rpg and there cannot be a game if you don't choose to do something (laughs) dangerous yeah true but the explanation of Delta Green is you have volunteered to be a part of a secret organization. And um, Jackson Elias show did a great episode on investigator organizations that are because basically um, Delta Green wasn't the first organization that someone invented to solve this specific issue. There have been lots of different groups in uh, Call of Cthulhu scenarios, and I think I think the core books even recommend them now. I know that uh, Raiders of Relia, which was the uh, the Belle Epoque version of Call of Cthulhu, um, had a bunch. But basically, different groups that give you resources and justification for going on adventures. And also the other question of, like, why do the player characters even join up in the first place? Which was especially an issue in a lot of the old, really high lethality um, Call of Cthulhu campaigns like Masked Chibnallathothep, where it was very easy to get killed, and you would often find yourself in, like, a random country with no real excuse for why another player character would join the group there. Like, yes, we're going to get this random Indonesian bellhop to be our shotgun carrier. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's some of that is just, like, setting conceit, but yeah, I hear you. I wonder if describing it, are there any board games... So I I kind of had luck once describing Delta Green as like a more government version, like a game of Elder Torah, but you're all working for the government, which is a stretch, but it did kind of get the point across. So I'm trying to think of this other board games. I would say I would say it's like the SCP Foundation, but they didn't let 300,000 people fuck it up. Yeah, I just hate the SCP Foundation, so I just don't like using it as an analogy. Yeah, but here's the thing, like, you dislike it, but the objective is not to say things you like. If it was Fair. just about saying things you like, we wouldn't have this problem. We yeah. could say just, oh yeah, it's like uh, Radiant Dawn, or it's like um, Kraken by China Memeville, or it's like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fair. Because, Kevin, if you think this is a problem with Delta Green, it is especially a problem with Unknown Armies, because Unknown Armies is primarily inspired by media properties that are not super popular. So uh, its primary inspiration is a book called Declare by Tim Powers, which is a wonderful book that just about nobody who isn't already an anonymous fan has read. Yeah, I've never even heard of it, so correct. Then uh, it's basic, basically like my experience trying to explain anonymous, and a lot of, to a large extent trying to explain Delta Green, is like on this show when I try to like introduce a concept and I get, I get just silenced because no one else in the show has, has heard of it. So yeah. then I have the choice of either like trying to build up the basic conceptual knowledge of what it is I'm talking about from scratch or just saying, fuck it, I'm not committed to this bit. And that, that for me has been my experience trying to sell 
uh, Delta Green and Anonymous to, to Disinterested Strangers. So I have basically stopped trying to do that and instead just focused on finding pre-existing communities of people who like the games. I've got kind of three options in front of me if I want to solve my how do I sell this to people at the game store. One is is what you just described. Just, hey, I'm running a game. You know, it's going to be from you know noon to four. It's to be you know a modern setting, and there'll be some light you know horror elements, just so I don't you know trigger anybody. Kevin, I think I think that your situation, you if your game store is like large enough, or even if it's just in a city with a lot of people, um, you might just be able to say I am running Delta Green and get people who want to play based on that. Because remember at um, Gen Con how True. the Delta Green game, the Delta Green games always filled up. They not only always filled up, but they always had um, people like hanging around waiting for empty slots to show up. So yeah, even if you true. even if you had no shows, you would still get a full table. Like Delta Green is not a super super popular game, and I've been I've been burned before. Like I stopped going to my university's RPG club because I would always be like, "Hey, I want to run Delta Green," and would get zero signups. And not only that, but like. While I was waiting to see if anyone signed up, all of like the fifth edition and and three point five games would fill up, so I wouldn't get to run or play, and I would just yeah. go home. And after a while, I was like, I'm just not, I'm not gonna like carry my books all the way to the fucking engineering building for something that's not gonna happen. So I just kind of stopped, uh, stopped doing that. And then later, I stopped going because like, what's the point? Uh, but if it, if you're, if if you're, if you're a store is more like the Gen Con experience, then you can just say, I'm running Delta Green and you will get players. Yeah, true, true. And I'm, I mean, I, I'm trying to solve my problem because I'm a selfish person, but I'm also trying to make this a segment that somebody in, you know, bumfuck nowhere can listen to it and say, yeah, I want to run this somewhere. So, so I think option one is just say, I'm running Delta Green, you know, and give like a one sentence, you know, it's a modern day game with some light horror elements. It's from noon to five, sign up here. So that's obviously option A. Option B is to run some more simple stuff because this game store has said on like I think it's Thursday nights or Friday whatever night like D and D encounters nights is that they need more GMs for D and D um, and I can GM D and D in the back of my in you know my sleep and I I do mostly enjoy it so D and D or DM some D and D games get to know some folks feel some folks out because I also the risk is if I get a bunch of random like murder hub with the show up for Delta Green it's also not fun so yeah I, I'd like to vet my players a little bit. And a great way to do that is watch and play D and D, right? And the third option is just make a really long, like, effort post with, like, you know, drop like the, you know, the choose meme in there, and drop like some like praise for the game, and you know, just like a huge post that's like super full, uh, really explains deeply what it is, uh, and see if it deserves it that way. But I feel like I'm gonna go with one of the first two. But I think, to my mind, those are the three ways that would get you know butts and seats in person. Obviously, online's a little, little different, but. Is there anything, anything we didn't consider or anything, again, put my problem to the side for a second. And if you're giving this advice to Joe Random in, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, um, you know, any other advice there? I know that you, Kevin, have a very low tolerance for frustration when it comes to, like, game time and no one signed up. And I'm pretty much the same way. Like, because I know that you've got games that you've never run because the first the first playtest attempt, you didn't get it. Yeah, players. crash and burn. And yeah. I've... And I've got game. I've got games that are like that too. I've got like scenarios, but also like entire games that I've never run because the first playtest game there was no interest. And then you do always hear the crocodile tears afterwards, like, "Oh, I wish I could have played in that." And I'm like, "Well, you I mean you had an opportunity? <laughs> yeah, where were you a month ago? <laughs> chose chose not to. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, my goal in doing this 
Because, I mean, I could run a game and have no one show up and still sit in my underwear at my computer, right? I want to do it at a local game store because I just, like, miss that kind of social across-the-table connection. So I can always run Delta Green at Night of the Opera, and I can I can always, generally speaking nowadays, I could fill, probably fill up a game pretty easily. Maybe not a weird playtest game, but just like a generic Delta Green game, I could, I could fill it up, or at least get three or four players, two or three players. So if I can't get two or three players at local game store, then I'll just run D&D. I mean... And I can definitely fill a D&D game. Like, you know, there obviously there's a need for that. I was just hoping to do, you know, two birds, one stone and run something I enjoy a lot along with, you know, get, getting butts and seats. But I mean, I, I mean the, the best D&D games I've ever had was, were really West Marshes games. So I would love a, another big West Marshes campaign. And like, that's not going to happen unless I get a bunch of people who want to play D&D outside of the encounter system. You know, and I don't know what that store is like yet. So I have to just like show up and meet people and see what the, you know, kind of gauge interest there. Same with like Twilight 2000. Like obviously nobody's ever going to run it for me. So I just got to open the book up and do it myself, <laughs> you know, and run it at a game store. So your your, your advice is um, if you don't get enough players to run it, then run something else that's more popular. Yeah, I guess. Because I mean, remember the, the the way I got into this was, was, a, was a GM I trusted said, show up to this. You know, I'm running this. You yeah, don't, you'd it was, like it. It was the same so way here. So if I run five D&D sessions and I meet, you know, 20, 30 people, and I one person to each of those, like, latches on, I can be like, hey, you play D&D, it's me, you know I'm not a shithead, like, I'm running this, I think you'd like it, there's a much likely, more likely chance they show up for that, and then you have your Delta Green game. The way that Delta Green was introduced to me was Will, um, Will is someone that I used to play Eclipse Phase with, mm-hmm. it was, like, one of the first games I ever ran, one of the first games I ever played in of any RPG, and um, at some point he was like, hey, Delta Green is, like... This is like a, an abbreviated version of the actual back and forth. He's like, hey, Delta Green is like uh, Eclipse Phase if they fixed a lot of the really big mechanical flaws <laughs> with it. Yeah. And at that point, my only exposure to Delta Green had been like hearing about the lore and it sounded really, really shitty. Like it sounded like X-Files with all the bad parts. And Kevin, I know that you fucking hate uh, Delta Green's lore as well, because every time you learn something about yeah. it that everyone else has known for like just 20 annoys years, me. you just freak out with rage. <laughs> like the Shans, what the fuck? Who thought that was a good idea? But um, I was the same way. <laughs> I was the same way. I thought that like all the shit with the Greys and Migos, which was also a shocking revelation to you. It, if I it was. I, it was so stupid. I was so mad. That that was That's the one that I think a lot of people who were not into the game in the 90s think of as really dumb but i've kind of come around on it just because of basically because of shit like the shotgun scenario where it's just the three grays running around like wearing costumes at a convention (laughs) i think that's fucking cool yeah so um that was my introduction was was it was very um it was more mechanics focused and then there was the initial there was the additional element of oh by the way they got rid of majestic 12 and the grays and all that shit yeah so then i actually read the book and that was back when there was only the agent's handbook. There hadn't been a handler's guide yet. Oh, I got an idea for a future topic. Oh, um, yeah. So one one issue with RPG magic systems that people complain about is that the people will complain like, they are, the magic system doesn't feel magical. And what they mean is, um, a lot of the times what they mean is they want like a table of 20 miscast effects or whatever. They want to like roll dice and have failures happen. But my contention has always been that that just makes the magic more like the fighter, where you just roll a d20 and fail. I think that um, if you really want to make a magic system that is magical, it can't be a system. Mm. Because once it's systemized, it's not magic, it's just plain old science. I was thinking about this with Unknown Armies, because Unknown Armies, uh, the magic system is, they call it postmodern magic, but it's actually, like, just modernist. Because you have, like, spell schools, and you perform activities to get 
charges and then you spend the charges to cast the spells and not only that but like everyone in the setting knows what charges are and knows how many they have so it's not like magic it's not like you got to guess magic energy. it's just spell slots again it's like i have this many points that i can spend on magic and like there's a bunch of other shit that makes it like cool and flavorful but at the end of the day it is an economic transfer of like i will do this to get energy and then i will spend energy and there's even spells that let you like move energy around like put it into objects and then give it to other people so they can have it yeah there's there's actually a little uh, very underused uh in the D&D 5e GM's guide there's a way instead of instead of spell slots every level you get x amount of points into a pool and then spells come get cast out of that pool which i've never seen used but i always thought was a way better system than the way spell slots work now, which seems similar to that, like you just have a hundred right, points. My, well, well, so so let's let's get back to Delta Green because my feeling is that um, I want to, and I thought about this because I was thinking about how people handled magic and stuff before the Handler's Guide came out. My feeling is that if you want magic to feel magical, you should not have a system. Don't have a system for it. Just make every spell have unique mechanics. Don't create a base casting system with like a ritual activation chance and delta green has an exchange rate of willpower points to power points you spend a pow and you get 10 willpower it has generic mechanics for summoning and binding creatures it has an extensive codified rule book of spell interactions and it actually goes further in some scenarios like basically the entirety of iconoclasts depends on the player's manipulating extremely fine-grained distinctions between different versions of the Elder Sign, because the Elder Sign has three different versions that all have discrete mechanical effects that all affect the monster in the scenario in different ways, except that the monster in the scenario also doesn't respond to the Elder Sign the way that any of the books suggest it should. So it's, it's this case of the scenario is built around, essentially entirely around, entirely around mastery of a, like a rules concept, and my suggestion is go completely on the other direction for magic. Don't have a casting system at all. When you want to write a ritual, don't don't think of what is in the existing books for mechanics. Just think of something completely new that the, that the yeah. players will never have seen before. And try that for your magic system. Yeah, what is something cool that need, this needs to do? Here are the mechanics for it that I've just invented. Yeah. And I understand why they want to have a system for it because they want to avoid... Um, they want everything to obey like a certain power curve. Like it's not necessarily supposed to be balanced, but it's supposed to be like you can't get something for nothing. I think that's the most important principle that that they adhered to when they were designing the spells, which is that it shouldn't be cheap. It should always cost something, and it should be it should it should cost more than you want to pay. And the only reason you'd use a spell is that it does something you can't do in any any way else. But stick with that philosophy, but don't use a system. Just have just have every spell um, be completely just off the cuff designed specifically for the scenario you're running and the issue with that the reason why they didn't do it is that you then you can't like put stuff in source books you can't like have a book of gm advice if the advice is yeah. just make everything new every time <laughs> yeah it'd be two pages thick and you'd be like use your imagination well that sucked <clears throat> so i thought you were going to go when you when, when you asked when you, when you write up magic systems i was thinking have you ever played the game magica no so it's an older well, it's not that old but it's a top-down game and you have you basically have like eight different elements and you can put like one on left click and one on right click, but they all interact differently. So if you, and it's multiplayer and it gets kind of crazy. So if I shoot like a lightning bolt and you shoot like a fire bolt across it, uh, they're going to make some meet in the middle and out of that merge, it's going to come like, like, you know, like light fire lightning or something. Or if I shoot like a web spell and you hit with the fire spell, it's going to cast a flaming web spell, you know? So like the system interacts in terms of like 
you have all these base things that interact in like a million different ways. And in gameplay, it's mainly like how not to like try not to give your friends because you're firing magic all over the screen and like they're firing magic and you, they, you know it, it counteracts us or it, you know it reacts in ways you didn't expect and like bounces back and blows you up. It's half the fun of the game, but that was where my thought first went. I've never seen a magic. I've never seen an RPG magic system that had that gave you only the very basic like elements and then was like here's some you know guessing interactions. That's the entire basis of Ars Magica. Yeah, I'm not familiar. Is that its own system, or is that an add-on for something? It's the basis for um, the magic system in Rivers of London. Oh, okay. You say, oh, okay, but <laughs> is that a cover for, I also don't know what the hell that is, and I... I have heard wanna... that name before, if that helps. I think we're good. I think we're good here. Yeah. My, but, Kevin, my suggestion is not make the magic system build out of components. My suggestion is don't have a yeah, system. Yeah, don't have a system. Yeah, no, Because once you. It, once you have a system for it, it stops being magic. And this this starts to get us into um, some of the difficulties that RPGs have with shit like... Uh, I keep saying that like Ligotti is a much better writer than Lovecraft, but you can't really make scenarios out of Ligotti's work because he doesn't give a shit about world building and like having cause and effect in the same way that... Uh, that something like Mountains of Madness or or Whisperer in the Darkness, those stories have like alien creatures that have like civilizations and lore and shit. Ligotti doesn't care about any of that. Ligotti is just something fucked up is happening. Why is it happening? That's an excellent question to ask if you survive. Yeah. Good luck, motherfucker. And I, that's not that's that's great for a story, but it doesn't work for a game because in a game you need to understand cause and effect to a certain degree. Otherwise, it's just completely random and it's unplayable. Yeah. But once you start to give it mechanical explanations, it stops being um, it stops feeling like like something esoteric and weird, and starts feeling like uh, again just that economic exchange that I mentioned earlier. Yep, I agree. That probably probably should have cut that in two recordings. 